0: Mr. and Mrs. Smith is a new series that gives the spy story a fresh spin. Here's creator and showrunner Francesca Sloan on the gender dynamic.
1: Our writer's room was all women, all women and then Donald and his brother. And so we really wanted it to be from the perspective of Jane more than anything. It's obviously it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith for a reason. It's a story about two people but it really is about Jane's journey, and it's really about Jane's journey of loneliness and sort of breaking down walls and becoming vulnerable, and it's the vulnerability that sort of actually makes her the hero. Fasten your seat belts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm gonna get
0: that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hand with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. My name's Smith, Anna Smith. And today I'm talking about the new spy series that's available to stream on Prime Video Now, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We all know the famous Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt film of the same name, but this show is immediately different. It stars Maya Erskine and Donald Glover as two lonely strangers who land jobs working for a mysterious spy agency. They're offered wealth, world travel and a dream home in Manhattan. They're also given new identities in an arranged marriage with each other as Mr. and Mrs. John and Jane Smith. The series explores their relationship as they take on each new mission, and the results are as funny and exciting as they are refreshing. And of course, there is a wonderful woman behind it all. My guest today is Mr. and Mrs. Smith's creator and showrunner, Francesca Sloan.
1: Sorry. Well, welcome to Girls on Film. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. Um, not only am I a big fan of the series, but I'm also a Smith. So it feels very perfect, Anna yeah, exactly. Smith. Um, <laughs> but before we start talking about Mr. and Mrs. Smith, can you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and in the industry and, and what built up to this?
1: For many, many years. I wrote at home in the privacy of my home without the intention of anyone ever seeing anything. It was just something that's always been a part of me. And so I did every job you could imagine under the sun. I had gone to Los Angeles for school, and then I stayed in Los Angeles Los Angeles for no good reason. I, you know, I was making political video art that nobody really wanted to see. And so I was doing jobs where I was like baking donuts or nannying or assisting or cleaning houses. I once, you know, my friend and I put up posters called Neat Freaks, just thinking it was a clever name. And then we started getting calls for us to clean in our underwear. <laughs> and we were like offended at first, but it was like, well, how much for, <laughs> you know? So anything you can imagine. How much was it? 600, actually. 600? <laughs> yeah, yeah, which was, you know, we maybe scrubbed the toilet or two and- <laughs> Why <not? laughs> in underwear. <laughs> Why not exactly? But I just always wrote. I decided to go to get my master's at UCLA just to have more time to sort of actually focus on writing with the intention of maybe I can sell a script and then I can go off to teach. I like the idea of being around creative people at all times and the youth in that way without thinking you could actually do the same thing for a living in terms of creativity. And the script won. Um, this thing called Showcase, which had a slew of managers come and meet with me, which was very exciting. I hired a manager in the room who I just connected with. And he said, how do you feel about being in a television room? I didn't know anything about it. And so I started on a little show on Sony Crackle that, Startup is what the show was called. I was there very briefly, wrote on that show and then just started leapfrogging from room to room to room. Loved it because it was just a bunch of nerds talking about story and character building. So my social anxiety was at an all time low for once because it was truly about creating worlds and using your imagination. From there, I finally ended up writing on Fargo at FX, which then linked me to Stephanie Robinson, who's like the greatest. She was a writer on Atlanta. She introduced me to Donald, he liked my scripts. I met Donald and Steven, we connected immediately, we wrote on Atlanta together, and that ended up connecting me with Donald to collaborate on Mr. and Mrs. Smith.
0: And I just love Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Congratulations. Thank um, you. It's so refreshing. Not only is it very entertaining, but it feels like a really different spin on a kind of franchise or whatever you want to call it that we know. I've, I've noticed that you called it a remix in one interview I read. Yeah. Um, would you like to specify how you wanted to, to shake up and what did you wanted to mix up in this, really?
1: Absolutely. I appreciate that you feel that way. My sensibilities are not one to just write these sort of big action moments. And I actually think most of the strengths that actually both Donald and I have are sort of the quieter in-between moments. And so in terms of the action and the genre of it all, that was something that was really interesting to us is, you know, what happens after the big chase? You know, if you're wearing the wrong shoes, you get a blister. What happens if a spy has to go to the bathroom? You know, those kinds of things. But then also in terms of the relationship, you know, the movie sort of scratched the surface. It was sort of a cartoon idea of a relationship, which was a lot of fun but how, you, how do you get into the underbelly of that? What is the humanity and rawness of two people who let their walls down and get closer to each other? That was the focus, and that's really where we wanted the world to mostly live in, is between these two people.
0: I love that On a trivial note, it does frustrate me when they have these kind of real-time spy thrillers and you're like, when do they go to the loo? <laughs>
1: exactly. You know, when is
0: this possible? I like that reality yes. that you bring into it. And it's still glamorous in terms of the locations and very exciting, yes. but there's just, it feels like you could put yourself in the
1: picture. Exactly, Whoa. that's what we wanted it to be relatable in that sense. Love and happiness. Banking card and marriage registration. Something that can make you do we're Married. Yeah, I guess we're so, married. Make you do right. They didn't bring up that we'd be paired until the last interview.
0: It's an old KGB tactic. Can you draw us attention as a couple?
1: Very romantic. What
0: well, specifically from a gender perspective were you interested in exploring? Because I've noticed that Jane, you know, without spoilers, sometimes saves John, for example. There's maybe a little bit of a role reverse of what, you know, traditional spy films and TV might play with.
1: It means a lot to me that it's reading that way. That was actually the thing that might have been the most important to me, to be honest. And and honestly for Donald as well. I think that's part of why he had me come on the showrunner and, and do this with him, is because he really wanted that perspective too. Our writer's room was all women, all women and then Donald and his brother, and so we really wanted it to be from the perspective of Jane more than anything. It's obviously it's Mr. and Mrs. Smith for a reason. It's a story about two people, but it really is about Jane's journey, and it's really about Jane's journey of loneliness and sort of breaking down walls and becoming vulnerable, and it's the vulnerability that sort of actually makes her the hero. And that was something that we really were interested in exploring.
0: Can I talk to you about the casting? Was there ever any discussion about the ethnicity of the leads on the page? Or was that something just came? Obviously, I mean, was Donald always obviously going to play the lead in terms of John?
1: Donald was always going to play the lead at 100%. And with Donald playing the lead, we loved kind of, you know both of us are not white and, you know, we have sort of gone through the world not being white and in the industry uh, it can sometimes be a very white world. So just being totally transparent, you know, you sort of learn uh, strengths and tools and magic tricks and how to navigate yourself in terms of identity because of those things and how useful would that be to a spy. You know, like, one of the first things that Donald and I talked about was, like, this idea of him being at an all-white party and realizing that he can scuff up his shoes and then become a cater waiter, which we ended up putting in episode two, and, and how he could end up sort of navigating that world because he seems more invisible, so you can get away with more, which is things that we both sort of related to. Now, with that, you know, the whole room, coincidentally, not for this reason, they're all just strong, amazing writers who are my friends, it was all women of color. At the time, when we had the room, it was actually initially going to be, you know, the legend that she is, and she's so amazing, Phoebe. And so we were actually going to have a conversation about sort of the differences in some ways between these two. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. When she ended up exiting the project, you know, with full support on, on everybody's end, we, Donald and I, like, sort of pivoted vision and realized when it was Maya that it really is a story about two people who are sort of different in navigating what would be primarily this sort of white upscale world and how does that make them actually linked? You know, it became more about this underdog story and how that bonds two people and that's sort of the direction that we leaned into instead.
0: What is it that you two do?
1: We're software and engineers. engineers. Administer single dose, no casualties.
0: Ah! What? Ah! You think if the company hadn't matched you, you'd be compatible? You act You're like a sitting baby. underneath a shelter I made. Oh, I made this fire. God, I man, got you I this fish. shelter. Food, fire, water.
1: No. Maybe.
0: It was interesting to me that the subject of race wasn't particularly discussed much between the pair of them until a bit later in the series? Is that something that sort of came consciously?
1: Yeah, I think in general, you know, the couple just became more raw and comfortable with each other and the more raw and comfortable that you are with somebody is that's when those conversations do come to a head, you know, and that's the reason that it sort of went in that direction, yes.
0: Donald is quoted as saying, Fran wanted to sexualize me. (laughs) It was interesting, she kept talking about how men's clothes in the 70s were a lot sexier, so suggesting that that there's a 70s style to it. But I wondered if, if there again that I know he's sort of talking lightly there
1: yeah yeah but no was I was there that, again actually. a bit of
0: a, a bit because I love that you didn't I don't think that you sexualized Maya at all or that whoever was directing any episode did
1: no I that was very I mean if my legacy goes down of wanting to sexualize Donald I think maybe I'm okay with that I have no idea I, I'm, I'm absolutely fine with it but no I think it was less that to me and more I remember actually I saw this incredible poster with Steve McQueen where, and, and actually many movie posters and stills of Steve McQueen where he always has his shirt off and the woman is always fully clothed. And there was something about that to me that like, even though it was in the 70s, it felt very subversive and fresh to me. And we sort of looked at that and I, fe- I felt like that was sort of our North Star. There's something iconic about that. And it also went into this idea of, you know, the Jane being the bond. In that, in that sense, and, and him sort of being the Bond girl. And so we really did play with that and we had a lot of fun. He's the one that's sort of a little bit more vain and that's kind of, you know, he cares about the clothes he's wearing, he doesn't eat the breakfast, she dives into the bagel. You know, it just feels kind of real to me actually. Um, and I don't see that as often as you would think on screen for whatever reason.
0: I love that this focuses more on the relationship than the details of the the spy missions, and that sometimes it feels there's quite a lot of information that we and they never find out about the missions. And how did you decide in the writer's room kind of what to leave out and what to leave us hanging on? And and also, sometimes I felt like sometimes you gave us a bit of a clue to keep me awake at night to try and (laughs) and figure out some stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, We were never as interested in sort of making, you know, of making this like ultra mystery story. It really was always about how do these missions inform the relationship and make these milestones make sense. It doesn't mean that we didn't think about them. It doesn't mean that we don't have answers to all of these things. But really, we wanted to sort of pivot from what that is and kind of get inspired by, you know, old shows from like the 80s, like Moonlighting or Heart to Heart, where like, you sort of do have these bottle mission of the week and then you kind of carry on because you love your characters. We wanted to play with that, but we then wanted the relationship story to feel like a very genuine arc in terms of a character study. Yeah, Moonlighting is such a great comparison. I hadn't thought about that.
0: There's a great scene where they're in bed and they're just talking about a dinner party with a, a couple who they may or may not have gone on with, right. um, but the way they were speaking just seemed so familiar to me and really funny, and I just thought, thank you for that. Cause I'm you're so, so glad that you So rarely way. see the kind of conversations that you genuinely
1: have on screen. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that. I think we all related to that with our own partners when we talked about that in the room of afterwards, just sort of wanting to feel like you can connect with your partner of this you against the world type thing. You know? Exactly.
0: You've got some incredible women in the supporting cast. I'm not going to say who they play, because I know, um, like me, you're very spoiler-inverse. Yes. But can I just give you a couple of
1: names and just give me a little word about them? Gosh, I would love to do this because I'm obsessed with the women in the show. Amazing. (laughs) Michaela Cole. Oh my gosh. A force. A force, certainly is. Sharon Horgan. Brilliant. Parker Posey. Iconic. Sarah Paulson. Hilarious. She is hilarious in this. My goodness. She's that. She's, people don't, she's very funny. Yeah. I mean, I felt like
0: all the women that you chose are not just great actors, but kind of creators in their own right. with Really really strong personalities.
1: Yes, definitely. And and also they all write and they're all incredible writers and they all... Could sniff out the moment uh, something in the scene felt inorganic and and fix it on the spot. You know, it was really ex- excellent to work with them.
0: Got a few male names for you as well. Our, okay, I love them allies. too. <laughs> John Turturro.
1: Oh my gosh, um, one of my favorite episodes. I yeah. Oh, I'm so happy you feel the way. Uh, unique. Unique. Paul Dano. Um, talented. Ron Perlman. Generous.
0: That is another great episode, by the way. They're all great. Oh, I, I, binge, thank you. I binge them, I absolutely love them. Um, and of course, I have to ask about Max the cat. Um, <laughs> and how was filming with Max
1: or whatever their real name is? And what role do you think he plays in the story? Chi-Chi. Chi-Chi, Chichi is Max's real name. I've learned, look, Chi-Chi was a great cat. Maya happens to be allergic to cats. And she's still, they, they still somehow bonded. But I did learn that you can't train a cat like a dog as much as you want to. There was one time where Chi-Chi got lost under the stage for a, a very long time. And I had Max in like every scene. And I was like, Max will appear sometimes now. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I wondered yeah. about that because he just yeah. pops up and you're yeah, like, okay. Exactly. With that said, I do think that he represents Jane's desire for companionship. And friendship and love. And, and Jane is sort of a cat herself, you know. And, uh, and John's sort of more of a dog. <laughs> and so I feel like uh, Max and Jane were one, you know. She brought this comfort object to this place. Even though she seems so aloof, she brought her comfort object and her comfort friend. And that's what we all get from a cat, let's
0: face it. Yes, it's true. I wanted to finish up by asking you a bit more about being a showrunner because I think a lot of our listeners may not be particularly familiar with what that entails. Could you explain?
1: Sure, absolutely. I didn't know to the degree of what it entailed until, I mean, being completely honest, until I've actually done this. And uh, without trying to come across as narcissistic, it's like it is doing pretty much having your hand in every single pie. I mean, helping in terms of working with, you know, with your art, dire- uh, art director about what toothbrush they're holding all the way from writing all of the scripts, revising scripts, um, talking with the actors about, you know, their characters and where their character goes or moments that don't feel right for them. You know, having partnerships with every single director and, and getting into the mud of it, uh, working on post, working with composers for score. I mean, it really is your baby. It's just you're raising it in the same way as you would a child. Every little detail that you that you do is comes through you in some way, which is a huge responsibility, but also a a really great honor. And how are you feeling now it's coming into the world? Oh my gosh, I am so excited. I'm really grateful because I got to make this thing with some of my best friends in the world who all are amazing people, but I am also incredibly nervous and trying to have no expectations. And I'm just proud of us that we actually made something that all of us can stand behind, you know, that feels unique to us, so work, life, romance, they're all part of the same project. You said you loved me. Yeah, you did too. We're about to die. So you didn't mean it? No, I do. That's
0: cool. I know it's a little early and you may not be able to say, but do you think a second series might be possible?
1: I mean, we definitely have Some ideas. Um, I have no idea if it will happen. We're happy with this as a complete story if this were to live on its own. But yes, we definitely have ideas for a second season. And Donald and I are both in the school of thought. It's like, if you can't beat it, don't do it. So we would definitely want season two to. To blow season one out of the water, if we were to do it, but if you we'll can't believe it, don't do it. That's a good, yeah, good way. Of, I think this
0: stands on its own beautifully. Whatever happens, thank but you. But I would be delighted if there's a next oh, one. Oh, I really <laughs> appreciate
1: that so much. Thank you. Is there
0: anything else, actually, from a gender perspective? Because this is girls on film. Whether it's to do with the show or any advice you'd like to give to anyone who is thinking of getting into writing, maybe specifically.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a it's, that's a big question. I know it's like, huge, isn't no, it? It is, and I just it's funny because sometimes I'm just like I, I. Don't even know how I got here, and who am I to say anything to anyone? I'm a silly little fool so in some respects, but I will say, I think you know, it's not wholly unique, but writing from a place where you are feeling something that feels deeply honest to you hopefully then resonates to other people. And you know, I you know, you're taught all of the time to not ask questions and just act like you know exactly what you're doing, especially as a woman, especially as a woman of color. I ask questions all the time. I was surrounded by people that were a soft place to land, and in that was deep, true collaboration. So I think it's okay to be curious. It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to sort of slip and fall as long as you come back up and fix those mistakes boldly and proudly with your back straight. So, yeah, I think just... I also was taught, you know, I'm a shy person. I thought I would never be able to make it in this industry because I would have to be some other version of myself that I couldn't be. And that's just proven that that is not the case as long as you surround yourself with people who understand you. So I've been very, very lucky in that. That is exceptionally good advice, actually. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> what are you up to next? Um, I mean, we, we shall see uh, potentially a season two. I would love to write a film. That's actually my, f- I love TV, don't get me wrong, but my favorite medium of storytelling It happens to be, you know, cinema. I think telling a story in that way, you know, is just such a beautiful way of sort of showing a world. And then I am trying to help create Yvonne Hanayi, who is one of the writers on Smith's and a really good friend of mine. She has a great show. We're trying to put it out on the world. It's about a woman who loses uh, her sense in God and kind of finds it again in this erotic comedy while she walks these animatronic dog puppets. Well, I'm sold. They're played very straight. They'll be voiced by celebrities. It's like a very sort of surreal thing and sexy and funny and bizarre and very wholesome. And so that would be hopefully one that exists soon. Fantastic. Well, I hope you'll come back on Girls on Film sometime. I would love to. Thank you for having me. I was really excited to sit down with you guys. Oh, me too. So lovely to meet you, Francesca. Thank you so much for your time.
0: That was Francesca Sloan, the creator and showrunner of Mr and Mrs Smith. All eight episodes of season one are available to watch now on Prime Video. And if you're heading off to the big screen soon, may I recommend the documentary Your Fat Friend, which is in UK cinemas from Friday the 9th of February, 2024. Girls on Film is an HLA production. Brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Charlotte Matheson, audio editor Emma Butt, and our partners for this episode prime video thank you for listening we'll be back soon a job. it is not life and death.